You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, everybody. I am Johnny Christ, and you are listening to Drinks with Johnny. Today, I bring you the third and final episode of the Joe Escalante Trilogy. We cover Joe's television career, Kung Fu and Nitro Records, The Offspring, Halloween, and much, much more. Joe might even surprise you with a little something at the end. So strap yourself in and enjoy this conclusion of my very fun chat with Mr. Joe Escalante. In my third year of law school, I wrote a... I did a couple things to get into television. I took a bunch of classes in summer school while everyone else was going and doing these internships at these law firms. You know, I never want to walk into a law firm. So I built up all these credits so that I could do an internship at a television network. And at that point, I was hanging around a lot with the Zappas, Frank Zappa's kids. Even Frank Zappa. Spending my holidays at the Zappa's house. Spending my holidays with Frank Zappa. Thanksgiving, Christmas. The Zappas, uh, I met through Josh Freese. So I'm going to law school. Almost every night, I'm hanging out with Moon, Zappa, and Dweezil, and Amit, and uh, a woman named Molly Stein, whose husband was Kevin Stein, who was director of late night TV at CBS. He thought I was quite a character with my punk rock band and my legal career. It looked like it was happening. And he he introduced me to the people at CBS. And so I got the internship, and then I ended up with the job. I loved it. I thought I was done. Yeah. Done. My whole life, I'm done. I have it set before me. And then Green Day and the offspring explode. And my secretary, in the days when they called them secretaries, was like calling me, was, was saying, hey, there's another t-shirt manufacturer on the phone. Yeah. And they t-shirt manufacturers were calling me because Dexter Holland wore the Vandals t-shirt on a video. Got yeah. And then pretty soon, it's concert promoters, and they're calling my secretary. And CBS, right there on Television City on Beverly and Fairfax. <laughs> and I'm going, crap. She's going, hey. I didn't. I, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. Well, we actually, at that point, we didn't, we didn't have anything to do because Les Moonves had, had, had moved me into making these license deals. And so I'm like, all right. Well, it's, uh, and Fat Mike was telling me, and we're playing, still playing shows. You know, it's not like I'm doing nothing. Playing mm-hmm. a few shows with NoFX and Pennywise. And then I just go, okay, let's start a record label. So I tell Warren, we're going to start a record label. Started with him. You're going to produce the bands. I'll do the business. And uh, Fat Mike says, we're all going to get rich. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we started with the assorted jelly beans. Okay, yeah. Because my wife said, you should sign the assorted jelly beans. And she's from (laughs) out there in the inland uh, area where the assorted jelly beans are from. Okay. And we, 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 so we started a label, like while I'm in my office. And we're just, and that thing. The initial orders on the assorted jelly beans were 30,000 units. Like, Solid. Yeah. And back then, there's so many, like, 1,700 would be a good, you know, initial order. Yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah. yeah. 30,000, you know. And so we're like, okay, this is this is a good business. And then eventually the Vandals migrated onto uh, Kung Fu because mm-hmm. we were on Nitro. Yeah. And with Nitro, we ended up on Nitro because while I'm at CBS... We even made that one record, and we're all kind of, let's make another record. So we made Live Fast Diarrhea. Kind of in the same way that we made um, Fear of a Punk Planet. Mm -hmm. But this one without a uh, big 
fancy producer and Bob Casale. He wasn't around. He wasn't available. So Warren produced it. And at that point, I think Warren, Warren was ready. Was, uh, yeah. And then uh, I paid for it. Because I just had, I was working at CBS, I had a ton of money. Yeah, you're, you're the big bucks. I had a ton of money. I'm, I'm living in a, a guest house behind the comedy store. Paying you like, were living behind the comedy store? Yeah, I paid like $600 a month of rent, and I'm making like $200,000 a year at that, that CBS. Dude, so I had a ton of money. That's epic, though. I love the comedy store. All anyway. right, I'm that, you can still see my guest house. It's still there behind the, behind the uh, parking lot. No. And, um, I don't think it's used for the same things, though. Actually, it is. <laughs> I just went there. I went to see Jezelnik. I went to see. Uh, oh, you did. You I went, went to see, see yeah, okay, okay, Jezelnik right, there okay, uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Awesome. And Bill Burr came out for a surprise set. I love Bill. I love Bill. Surprise Burr. set at the end. Fantastic. And you know who came out after that? No. Charles Nelson Riley. Okay. Yeah. Not familiar with his. You should check him out. I will. I'm gonna leave here. No, I'm gonna stay here. You're gonna leave here, and I'm gonna check. Out. And you're gonna go. Charles Nelson Riley. He's a hack, and he's dead. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. So uh, yeah. So we. I. I just. I just made another record just for fun, and then when I was done with it, Dexter Holland. You know, we the Offspring had opened for us a couple times, and mm-hmm. we were nice to them because I, I couldn't believe that these guys were like punk rock had nothing to offer anybody, and the Offspring are going out there on the road and playing punk rock that's kind of like Agent Orange, TSOL punk rock. They say they're influenced by the Vandals, but I see more, you know, Agent Orange and um, TSOL. Mm-hmm. And and they're out doing it. They're out and doing it. They're doing it, you know, playing in front of 40 people every night. All What for? Punk rock is not a way to make money or have a career, but they mm-hmm. did it. And so I was always um, impressed by that. And then they got huge, and good thing we were nice to him. Was all I got to say. Yeah. So he said, "Be why don't you be on our great uh, people?" Uh, uh, absolutely. Really he said, "Why don't you be on my? I have a label, you know, Nitro. We have gutter mouth." So I we had this live fast diarrhea. So we went over there. We made four records with those guys. That's awesome, man. Let's get back to the CBS stuff, though. Let's get back to your passion. So I, I'm sitting here thinking that your passion is playing bass, like as I go, I'm going up. It's my kid. day job. Yeah, it's your day job. Like yeah. your passion is TV. You're at CBS. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you about a story I want to hear in your words. Apparently, you convinced Chuck Norris to sing on his theme song for uh, Walker Texas Ranger. That is true, Johnny. Can you can you fill me in on how that? How that came about, what, what was that conversation like? What is Chuck Norris like? Well, Chuck Norris is no... Because yeah, know, we know he does all the things. He cures cancer yeah, with one Right, book. right, right. <laughs> and and, and there's no, there's no uh, accident that all those you know, legends about him exist because he's larger than life. Uh, we were, when I first got to CBS, there's a company called Canon Films. There's a documentary about how corrupt Canon Films was. So Canon Films was producing the, the Walker, Texas Ranger for CBS, the newly created in-house studio of CBS Productions. When okay. I get there, uh, my job is to go to the, – the, the, the show Walker, Texas Ranger had collapsed because Canon Films was so corrupt. They took all the money that CBS was giving them to produce Walker, Texas Ranger, and they were paying their debts with it. So when my boss found out, he – said, we're going to take over this production, and if not, you're all going to jail. Mm. And Which you can't even really tell people they're going to jail for a civil matter, but whatever. 
Um, so <laughs> He was pissed. Yeah. So we took over production of the Canon Films produced Walker, Texas Ranger starring Chuck Norris. So it was my job was to go to everybody, including Chuck Norris and his agent. I didn't directly have to go to Chuck. I just go to his agent and reduce their pay. Because obviously the previous company well, couldn't. It was too, everything was too yeah. expensive. So reduce everybody's pay and go to the Writers Guild, the Directors Guild, and the Screen Actors Guild and meet with them at restaurants, Les Dome, like big, like fancy Hollywood restaurants. And I'm green, but I did it. I went out. I reduced all the the, uh, the, the fees on Walker, Texas Ranger. And Chuck, his show was saved. He knew he was getting less money, but his show was saved. So we had he, he was okay with me. And then after a while, he, 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 heard, he heard about my, my musical background. Okay. And I think it, in his head, he was like, all right, this guy's in a punk rock band or something like that. You know, I can remember that. He came back to me and he said, hey, one of my black belts sent me a song that he wrote for Walker, Texas Ranger. And I think it's pretty good. I want you to hear it. What do you think? What should we do with it? So he, so I listened to it <laughs> on a cassette, and it was, it was just genius, you know? <laughs> I go, this, and it reminded me of the Beverly Hillbillies yeah, yeah. Uh, theme song. And which go, was, which is, you know, that once anyone heard the Beverly Hillbillies same Texas Ranger, like any, any, it's just one of those ones that's It's like, it's not head. singing really, it's more like recitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go to the the head of um, CBS Productions on the creative side and the president, and I go, okay, Chuck is, you know, I think Chuck likes me. He's not mad at everybody. And he gave me this song. And I think he should sing this song. And I think it should be the theme song. And I just kind of hide my head, like, wait. <laughs> just wait, wait, wait. For- <laughs> yeah, the wrench is coming. Andy Hill, to his credit, says, it's exactly what we should do. That'd be great. Do you think you could, would he do it? And I think it was his idea to just go, this would be great if this is the theme song. I go, what if we got Chuck Norris to sing that? And he's yeah. like, do you think, do you have that kind of relationship with him? Because it's all tense at that moment. And I say, let me give it a try. And mm-hmm. I talk to him and I know he's going to say is I can't sing. And I'm like, you don't have to sing. No. We're going to get you a vocal coach for the chorus. All you're going to sing is the chorus. It's like, the eyes of a ranger are upon you. That's all you got to do. Mm-hmm. So the rest of it is like, well, the eyes of a ranger. They blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you just gotta do it. Yeah. Beverly Hillbillies. I go, yeah, it's gonna be easy. So yeah. we went in the couple studio. Couple hours in the studio. Yeah, went in the studio, got him a vocal coach to meet with him a couple times. He got in the studio. Um, you know, I'm just like, okay, this part you're just gonna do this, and this part you're gonna do that. So now we're gonna have fun. We're, you know, try to be the producer that I could be. And because um, I was not the producer of anything ever, you know, so I'm just in the studio trying to make things happen. And uh, we got it done. And I just thought, we're going to get this done, but it's not going to be good enough. How can it be network quality? Yeah. You know? But it was. And it ended up working. It ended up and it's, the it's, the this, time, right? it's the theme song to this day when you watch yeah. it in uh, reruns and syndication. And they're just now redoing Walker, Texas Ranger oh, yeah. with the guy from, um, I think it's the official TV show of Avenged Sevenfold. <laughs> <laughs> the official TV show of that seven Which is... Um, <laughs> you got to tell me what that is. You got to finish that one. Take a big sip and then tell me what that is. <laughs> that 
What's his name in this damn TV show? <laughs> the official TV show of Avengers Civil War. I'm Supernatural. Supernatural. Okay, Supernatural. That's what it is. Okay, okay. Supernatural. So the guy, the star of Supernatural is doing the new Walker, Texas Ranger, and Supernatural is the official TV network TV program of Avengers Civil War. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, so that's happening right now. I'm just hoping they'll use the same uh, theme, theme song. song. Yeah. And hoping that I have Let me ask you a song. question, though, okay? Um, that's my only legacy in television. That's your everything own, else. No, there's not. No, everything else is stuff. my name's on a contract in a file somewhere, and they no, say, no, oh, we're, this we're getting, we're, this getting up. we're getting to some of this other stuff. Chicken in a biscuit. Chicken in a biscuit. What the fuck is chicken in a biscuit? It's a cracker that, you, that if you don't even go near it, because <laughs> once you start, you can't stop. <laughs> chicken in a fucking biscuit. <laughs> it was on a writer, and we played the showcase theater. Uh, Have you heard of the Showcase Theater? Theater? There's a documentary about the Showcase Theater. We played played the the very first tour that I was ever on with Avenged um, at Showcase Theater, co-headlining with the Treyu, two nights. Got to do multiple nights at the Showcase Theater. Got to do it. Got to do it. I proceeded to break, I think, four strings in the first night. No. Bass strings? Yeah. I used to slam the shit out of them. Wow. That's a whole other world. Yeah. I can't remember. I, I can't asshole. remember breaking a string my entire career. <laughs> you you really shouldn't. You really shouldn't. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't. I don't. Okay. So we were talking about showcase there. Yeah, showcase. There's a documentary on the showcase theater. Yeah. It's playing all week at some place in Riverside. You don't have to worry about it because we're not driving out to Riverside to see that. No. But they're gonna have a lot more formal screenings later or something. But Warren and I are in it. Oh, awesome! I'd love because we tell that. certain stories like. Izat. Izat. What's Izat? Izat's the owner of the Showcase Theater. So when we oh, played there, shit. first time we played there, I think that's when we kind of started working with our agent. So the agent sent over the writer with all this crap we want backstage. And he's very happy to have the vandals there. And so he's going to get everything on the writer. And he sees chicken in a biscuit, which is a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> Still another fuck chicken. Right, and we, we need chicken and biscuit crackers along with our... Uh, you know, potato chips and chips and salsa and whatever, hot tamales and, and dinner. We need dinner too, so mm-hmm. you gotta have dinner. This is just this, you know, backstage stuff like this. Yeah, like the, have laid out the cookies for me right now. and the yeah. But we have to have dinner and then so a chicken and biscuits, just a cracker. But when we show up for the sound check, he has a whole spread of fried chicken in baskets. Because he thought it was chicken chicken in a basket. basket. (laughs) So he went and found baskets. He bought baskets. He bought baskets and put chicken in it. And put chicken in it. That's what he must have. Did he he fry the chicken? Yeah, fried chicken. chicken. I think he went to a fried chicken place, but he had to find baskets somewhere. Yeah. Because they're not letting you walk out of a fried chicken place with baskets. Baskets, no. Buckets, maybe. Buckets, right. We didn't didn't ask for chicken in a bucket. Fast forward a couple years later, I'm out front of the showcase, and we played there so many times, and we're getting friendly with him, and he goes, oh, Joe, I got to tell you, the Nazis are such a problem here. <laughs> the Nazis, they come, they fight, you know, so I have a new rule now. M- many people would say, I don't let the Nazis in, but he, you know. So he goes, so the Nazis come, and they want to come in, and, and they, they hand me their driver's license. And they come in, they get in the fight, they have any problem, I 69 them right out the club. 69 them right out the yes. club. Yes. <laughs> I don't think that's the term. (laughs) And then he catches himself. He goes, oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I 86 them. (laughs) I 69 them all the way out the club. (laughs) All the way to my apartment. 
so you're doing all this uh, uh, TV producing and, and uh, writing and, and that, which you've already said is kind of your passion. Um, also, throughout the years, you, you were uh, directing some of the music video go, uh, music videos you were doing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that just Vandals? Is that like a lot of the other Kung Fu records yeah, kind of people and stuff? Kind of like, you know, in the indie music world and I kind of got into it a little bit late. Like Fat, Fat Records had already dominated a lot of the, the market epitaph for sure and the vandals were you know let me go way tarantino back the <laughs> first band on epitaph besides bad religion bad religion put their own record out and then we ended up as the first record they put i out. didn't realize that yeah and that was a, another weird thing where we we're like our our bass player steve human he went on tour with tsol he was a roadie for tsol on their first nationwide tour and I go, dude, don't go. What are you doing? We're going to make a record. TSOL made a record. You make an EP, then you make an LP. This is what TSOL did. We'll do the same thing. And he told me, he goes, you, it's not like that guy. You're a dreamer. You're a dreamer. Hmm. It doesn't happen. Fantasy. They did it because they're great. We're nothing, basically, <laughs> what he was telling me. Ouch. Yeah. So he left. And I and, and while he was gone, I, made, I, I somehow befriended Jay Bentley from Bad Religion. And then Steve came back and we played a it's show. It's because you made the right decision of becoming a bass player. That's what that's what it was. Well, at this point, I'm still the drummer. Okay, well, then you still haven't made the right decision. Fuck no, you. No, no. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. So, you still have way too many things to hit. Yeah. You need to figure out that you only need four. <laughs> and too many things. And then symbols are getting stolen. Your symbols are getting stolen. Yeah, and then uh, once your symbols get stolen, it's like a $500, you know, replenish thing. Fuck Forget that, it. dude. Bass is way cheaper. Yeah, it's way cheaper. So uh, one night, we played a show in Long Beach with TSOL, and their TSOL's manager comes up to us and says, we're playing a show in Arizona tomorrow night in Phoenix. Do you guys want to open the Vandals? you want to open for TSOL? And I go, of course we do. He goes, okay, if you can get out there, I'm going to pay you. And he had a number, too. He paid us something. Mm-hmm. Why? You don't have to pay us anything. But he did. That guy, his name was Mike Varaney. He was the manager of TSOL. He was like a saint. And then Jay Bentley from from Bad Religion was there at the show. And I asked him, I go, you want to go to Arizona? This show, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, I'll take you guys. He took us. He drove us all the way out there. And we played the show with... Um, TSOL. TSOL and JFA. JFA? Was that okay? And another, the first amazing show of Arizona where the drinking age is 19 and playing at a club where you can bring in cases of beer. And, oh. and It's a fun show. Yeah. So we do the whole thing. And then on the way back... We listened, and the, up there and back, we listened to uh, How Could Hell Be Any Worse by Bad Religion, which was at that point a, uh, just a tape, and it hadn't come out yet. And we listened to it all the way there and all the way back. So great. And That's then, rad. Uh, at a Stuckey's, there used to be this restaurant called Stuckey's that were out sprinkled around the Arizona desert. I, Jay and I, everyone's just sleepy or whatever, Jay and I go into the, we're, deli- we're all drunk at these times. I mean, you're drinking, you're driving. That's the thing that, like, yeah. okay, you don't condone it, but honestly, like, that was, like, the story. Like, when we're all driving ourselves in those fucking econo yeah. vans or something similar to it. We are drinking. Whatever, yeah. And not the smartest. Yeah. Obviously, don't condone it. No, but we're out there drinking and driving. and we got a trailer hitched to the fucking yes, back of it. all that stuff. But we're, so I remember we get into one Stuckies and we go, we got to get some food. Everyone's asleep. We go in, and the lady says, what do you want? And I tell her. I want an anarchy burger. Hold the government. <laughs> uh, does she get the reference? Oh, she was. Yeah, she's now produced uh, three of our records. 
She died of a meth overdose a long time ago. <laughs> Probably. But Jay Bentley laughs his ass off. Oh, yeah. And so then at that point I go, I think I have something. And then so I get back in the thing and I go, oh, I'm going to write this song. So we're listening to How Could Help Be Any Worse and then we're in the middle of making our first EP. And that was Jay Bentley at that point. He was so, like, cool that he put us on the next Bad Religion show, which is Bad Religion Circle Jerks at the Dancing oh, wow. Waters in San Pedro. We did good enough to get more and more and more and more, blah, blah, blah. That was like, so Jay Bentley is more instrumental into the development of the Vandals than probably any one, you know, uh, single person. Wow. That's really cool. I had no idea. And to this day, he's still just like a, just an angel. Just like, yeah. just such a wonderful person. All right. That was a real, real, real Tarantino. Yeah. Okay. So now where are we? I don't remember now. Good for you. Not, <laughs> yeah, because now your age is, uh, my age is, is equal to yours because of the alcohol. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're leveled out now. No, um, what I really was uh, asking about, again, was TV producing, writing, everything oh, yeah. like that. That was TV, like television. So you write music. Mm-hmm. You write for TV. You already answered the question of which one you had more passion for. How do you set your mind for a difference of writing for music and a difference of writing for TV? Well, I, I wrote the music out of necessity. Someone's got to write these songs because when I joined the Vandals, they had a few songs. Most of them were terrible, but there were two great songs. The two great songs were Pat Brown, The Legend of Pat Brown, mm. and Urban Struggle. And these were great songs. Oh, and they had another one called Wannabe Manor. I go, these are great songs. songs. I love all three of those songs. These are great songs. But there was a lot of other songs that were not very good. There's one called Gun Control, and and I don't even remember the lyrics, but they were probably anti-gun control, which (laughs) is not a winner in the the rock and roll world. And then, but at that time, they wanted to change their musical style. Okay. And this skeleton right over here looks so much like Josh Freeze. (laughs) So creeped out by it. He's he's here right now. He's here right now. So... That was, I think you should just use that one clip, that was, because that's... That was. That's a, that, that was. That was. That's going to, actually, we should try it if we can for the rest of the that podcast, was. that was, instead of that was, and that just see was. if we can just fix it that way later. That was. That was. Take that was, and, and when I said that was, just replace just it with that was. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> This is definitely a two, maybe even a three-part. I don't even know what, where. I don't even know where that question went. Why don't we start it? Was it? First of all, let me let me tell you, they're all good. Are these stories are all good. <laughs> no, they're actually they're fantastic fucking stories. Okay. I was asking about um, about uh, writing for mm. uh, television. Okay, I'm writing songs out of necessity for the Vandals because. When I got into the band, they were about they were really getting into changing their style. And then you got I, I, I wish I could take you back to this time. It's like 1981. Punk rock was so new, but it was so new and so important and so volatile. Everyone thought, well, what's next? Punk rock's got to be old. Like I told you, when I got into before I was in the Vandals, I was in a rockabilly band because this guy tells me that punk rock is dead. You got to be in a rockabilly band. You have to be in a band celebrating music that's like 27 years old. So Go figure. Yeah. So I, um, when I get in the Vandals, it was another disappointment in my life, basically. <laughs> getting in the Vandals? Yeah, I got, another, I, got, I got a disappointment because I, I thought I was getting in Butchie in the Hoods. Yeah, we, we covered and, yeah, that. Yeah. And I, and yeah, I end yeah. up in a rockabilly band. Fine. I deal with it. Yeah. A lot of great experiences. 
Now I finally am in the Vandals, recommended by TSOL's drummer Todd Barnes. Mm-hmm. I'm in the Vandals. This is a punk rock band. We have a future here. And they tell me, well, here's our new stuff. It sounds like friggin' Gang of Four. Okay. This is slow, droning punk rock. We have a song called, to illustrate this, we have a song called Pirate's Life. I know Pirate's Life. Okay. I mean, what, it's, it's like whatever. It's like I gotta 200 assume. beats per minute. Yeah. So this is a song. But at first it starts out like we're at practice. and go. This is the new stuff. This is Nils telling me, here's our new sound. All the songs are thrown out when I get in the band. They're all thrown yeah. out. They're all gone. Urban Struggle. Pat Brown. They're gone. Gun Control. They're all gone. Here's our new sound. And it's Pirate's Life. And it and Pirate's Life is like a, a punk song. It's like until the breakdowns. Here's how it sounds when I get in the band. You're going, you're going, yeah. Got a little Melvins on it. Melvins. It's the Melvins. Gotcha. Very well put. And I'm like, okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm now, saying, there's anything wrong with the Melvins. Like, no, no, no. But in 1981, I'm like, really? I thought I was getting Butch in the Hoods, and then I'm in the Rockabilly Band, and now I'm in this band, and now I'm in freaking Gang of Four. Number one, I can tell you, this singer cannot pull off Gang of Four vocals. So we're doomed. Yeah. So I get it. I like... You know, the idea of the the people saying, well, I want to go on to the next thing. Punk rock is dead. But I've been through the punk rock is dead thing at that point. And I already realized punk rock was not dead in 1980 when I ended up in the Aristocats. Now we're in 1981. I'm not buying it. Punk rock is not dead. So I say, here's my opinion. Bring back Urban Struggle. Bring back Pat Brown. Bring back Wannabe Manor. And then this Pirate's Life thing. Play it three times as fast, and I'm going to come to you tomorrow with lyrics. And then I wrote the lyrics, came back, Nils. He said, great, loved it. He's always reasonable, very reasonable, you know. And he said, okay. I go, this is, because I already, I had already been through the punk rock is dead thing. And the, But I kind of believed it when I went to law school. I mean, like, who would go to law school if punk rock wasn't dead? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just learning your chops there. <laughs> So now we have Pirate's Life. If, if, there's a, if there is a, a weirdo out there that is worried about our first EP, we got Pirate's Life, which turns out we've speeded up really fast. And now Josh Breeze plays it too fast. He ruins it, basically. Because he'll never <laughs> listen to this podcast. Ruins sure? it. Even if I call him up, you think he won't ruins listen to it? it. Ah, ruins it. Ruins it. Every night. But back then it was too slow. So now it's too fast. But... Uh, the recording of, of, of Pirate's Life on the first EP, Peace Through Vandalism, is a perfect tempo. Then we have Urban Struggle. We have Pat Brown, The Legend of Pat Brown. Actually, I wanted to ask about that one. I, I, so recently, uh, sounds like you guys did a re-release on iTunes for um, Sweatin' to the Oldies, which was one of my favorite records, listening to you guys. And you did a little bit of a documentary in between stuff on the on the revamp of it. And you mentioned who Pat Brown is, but for the life of me, I couldn't remember before you came in here. And I was right. like, you know what? I'm not going to even listen to it again. I'm just going to ask you when you come here. Pat Brown is just our buddy that when I started getting into the TSOL, Vicious Circle world, Pat Brown was already there. I'm from Orange County. I'm in, in Rossmore. You, you cross the line into Long Beach. You get into an edgier world. 
and that's where Pat Brown is, that's where TSOL is, Jack Grisham, and all these people. Pat Brown was the crazy guy. Everybody's got this guy in their group that's a little crazier than everyone else. He was nuts, and he would do anything, and he would, <laughs> you know, go the extra mile. I, I don't know any guy like that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but what he was most known for was at the Cuckoo's Nest, the legendary club in Costa Mesa. Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. Yes. Cuckoo's Nest. So T- TSOL is playing at the Cuckoo's Nest, and the cops are starting to, to send undercover cops in there to figure out what's going on with punk rock. You know, we're talking about like 1980, 81. They're really concerned. What's, what, what's yeah. going on with the youth? Yeah. What's going on with the youth and, today? And we got, we got infiltrate. So they start, they dress up like punks. They wear trench coats and they start kind of hanging around the parking lot trying to figure Little out what's going on. Little did they know the, the, the best way in was to follow Joe Escalante with some transvestites in and you right. would have, yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. you would have had a way better way in. They never think of these things. <laughs> so... Oh, what's going on, everyone? Brando here. Haven't been around for a while because I am busy. You know, I'm working five jobs to feed 10 kids. And when it comes to dinner, I'm just looking for an easy way out. But there is a great thing that I have found to make my day a little easier. Factor Meals. Right now, I've got a black pepper and sage pork chop. I'm going to eat it right here on air with you because I want you to hear in real time how good this thing really is. So... Got a nice little sauce on it, nice grill marks. Like this thing is ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, no. This is some quality, quality pork right here. The nice thing is, it's healthy. The amount of protein in this meal is broken down for me on the side of the package. I don't have to worry about it. I know once I eat this whole thing, my macros are gonna be in balance. This is this is where I need. This is good. Oh my god! It took two minutes for me to microwave this thing. All I had to do was sign up. Meals get shipped right to my house every week. They have a wide selection to choose from. Dude, they had dill-crusted chicken. They had chili. If you want to check it out, head over to factormills.com slash drinkswithj50 and use code drinkswithj50 to get 50% off. That's code drinkswithj50 at factormills.com slash drinkswithj50 to get 50% off. Yeah. I know, it's a mouthful, but so is this meal. So I'm going to keep eating it because, man, this is good. Pat Brown is there. They they approach his car for whatever reason, and they and he freaks out. And he just puts it into gear, and he starts driving. And he ends up running over a couple of them. You know, crazy driving out of the parking lot of the Cuckoo's Nest. It's on Placentia and Costa Mesa. Costa Mesa, you can drive by it anytime you want. And he just turns right, going back to Long Beach. And he forgets to turn his lights on. Mm. And they get him. And then they beat the crap out of him. Sure. He never recovered. And now it's Pat Brown who would do anything, but now he's just like, oh, 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 his brain is a little. Oh, and that was my recollection of it. He, yeah. was a, it was a little, he never really recovered from it. And then at some point he was on a bicycle, fell off, hit his head that night. He took a shower and died. Um, yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, but it, what a great guy. What a sweetheart. And my roommate in Rossmore, when my parents moved out, he moved in. But a total sweetheart. But a maniac that would do anything. He made clothes, too. <laughs> he made, made clothes. clothes. He sewed. Like, remember that picture I sent you today? Yeah. He made that jacket. Zippers everywhere and a, that and was a hip. padlock and stuff that like that. That was fucking yeah. hip, man. Yeah. I mean, he made you look good. I never got so many <laughs> more compliments than when the, the woman that... I never seen that picture until some... Uh, people started like you know posting them on Facebook or whatever. Yeah. So. No, nah, I mean you look good. You people, look young. People that should. I mean, yeah. Well, should hate me. Just said I look like a badass. 
Cheers to Pat Brown then, man. Seriously. Yeah, Pat Brown. So Pat Brown is a good guy. He's a good Catholic. Same birthday as me. And, uh, but he died too young. Oh, like a lot of my friends from those days. Todd Barnes, the drum of TSOL, also died. Mm. A lot of those guys also died. But, um. Speaking of TSOL, guys, do you know, uh, Cheese? Cheese? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, we, we edit. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually I know Cheese pretty well. He's a good dude uh, to me, but the way that you just uh, responded makes me think that you, he wasn't that good to you. I have a lot of Cheese stories, and he's, <laughs> and he's always been good to me. Okay, good. Yeah, no, Cheese is a wild dude. Bring it. So the next guy we're gonna go to, um, it's a French wine. Mm. The French wines are my favorite. I think we have that in common. The first that my first uh, experience with the French wines. This is definitely a, a punk rock experience. I'm in Bordeaux. I'm playing in Bordeaux with Fat Mike, with uh, NoFX. And so, I think it was the first tour we did with NoFX where, you know, since our, our, our summer camp days together. So yeah. we're all come so far and then all of a sudden... Did you have hit. a lot of contact with, with Mike in between the... Just at shows. Just and, you know, shows? We, would, we would put NoFX on vandal shows. Okay. When they were terrible. Just it was like a bro deal. Like this is a guy I went to camp with. We got to put him on the show. Yeah, and he sucks, and the band sucks, and he'll admit this is incredible to me. He like. he will admit the band sucked back then, and he had red hair, dyed red. He look, look. Have you ever seen? Are you familiar with a uh, guy that sells hamburgers? His name Ronald McDonald. <laughs> no, that was um, how. Well, look on YouTube. Does he look like? Uh, Bob's that's how fat Mike, that's how fat Mike's hair was. It okay. just looked like Ronald McDonald's. So okay. the guys in my band would say, "We're not playing with Ronald McDonald anymore." All right, why are they on our show? Because he, he went to camp with me, and we have to do it. <laughs> so just shut up. <laughs> but but fast forward, Fat know, Mike the punk rock. Later legend. later they oh had good songs. They 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 became a different band. Anyway, that's yeah. the, the fat, fat Mike. Mike one of the reasons I picked up the bass. Mm-hmm. But it was there was a terrible period and then there was a good period. He'll, he'll yeah. admit it. Next question. What was it? Oh, I, I, I don't think we finished the answer. I went off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to what we're drinking real quick, though. Oh yeah. What do you think about this? It's harsh. <laughs> the question or the or the wine? <laughs> no, the, the the wine is harsh. Yeah, it is. A little bit. But there's no wine too harsh for me. I like whiskey. You like whiskey? Do you? But what are you drinking out of? What do you mean? What do I drink it out of? Kind of glass. Um, I typically drink it out of like a normal like scotch glass. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Have you ever heard of the Glen Cairn glass? No. You need a Glen Cairn glass. What is a Glen Cairn glass? It's like a it's like a uh, brandy snifter thing. Oh no! I, it's yeah, a tiny I, one. I, I have one. Of those. You've seen it? Yeah. You, yeah, you probably. I have it at my bar. Oh, you got to drink whiskey out of that thing. Okay. It makes it taste a lot better. Or so they say. <laughs> you know, like they, you know this this wine has like a... The other one had a cat pee. This one has like a... A dog's dick? No. Oh, wait. You don't know what that smells like. I don't. But <laughs> this one is more of a... Um, uh, uh, like, a, like a portable toilet at a haunted house. Tell me I'm wrong. <clears throat> I actually can't tell you. It's fucked no, up because no, I can't tell you wrong. You but just better do it. Try it one more time. It is a portable toilet at a haunted house. Oh, yeah. 
You can smell the. That's that's the, very distinct. It's mostly urine, but there's a Mexican chick with diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucked up. That you know. No, you know. She that, didn't want to go. A... She didn't want to go. <laughs> but she. She had to because she prepaid her ticket. <laughs> Why did all of a sudden the first time in this entire podcast you sounded Mexican when you said you had to prepay her ticket? <laughs> she had to prepay it, man. <laughs> All of a sudden, when you say prepay together, all of a sudden your Mexican heritage comes out. You gotta prepay that shit. <laughs> I'm trying to hide my heritage. But, you know, I gotta tell you. You're not wrong, though, but I don't know if it's. Now I'm fucked up about this because I'm not. I don't know oh, if yeah, I actually smell it that way. Yeah. Or if it's because. I influenced you. You're influenced. No, the it's fucking, there. It's. Jesus Christ. Mm hmm. I mean, it definitely has a little bit of a diaper going on to it. Oh, yeah. Strong diaper. I'm thinking adult diaper. You know, anyone who's like... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You're thinking adult diaper. <laughs> I was thinking about that all day. All day long. Before I got here. Uh, Trying to get the, I, I, the I driver. I, I really don't want to drive home your age here, Joe, but you should always be thinking about an adult diaper. Oh, no. Well, I, I, mean, I have a tip for people, you know, approaching my age is... I've been ordering, like, stockpiling adult diapers in my garage for years so that I don't have to order them or go to a, to a store and get them later. Smart. Right now, I've got, like, you know, look at my, look at my tennis shoes. I have, like, elastic. See I those did things? that. Those, that's smart. Yeah, because I won't have to tie shoes. I don't have to get Velcro shoes later on in life. I mean, you're ready to go. Yeah, I'm, ready. I'm, I'm prepared for old age. Slip them in. Ready yeah. to go. Still stylish. I've already picked out my Filipino caregiver for like, you know, 20 years from now when I need her. What's her name? Well, her parents are still deciding on a name. <laughs> <laughs> We've completely gone off topic. <laughs> oh, shit. And on that note, I want to mention something else. It's October. Fall is here. Halloween is around the corner. It's my favorite time of year. And I'm in a good mood. So from now till November 1st, I'm giving you free shipping on all your Drinks With Johnny merch purchases. That's right. Head over to drinkswithjohnny.com and use promo code CHEERS to receive free shipping on all orders placed through Halloween. That's Drinks With Johnny at D R I N K S. W-I-T-H-J-O-H-N-N-Y dot com. Promo code C-H-E-E-R-S to receive free shipping on all your orders. The holidays are just around the corner and they always seem to come up faster than you realize it. So get ahead of them and head over to drinkswithjohnny.com and get your orders in now. Cheers. Let's go back. Let's mm -hmm. go back to some TV talk. TV talk. Back to the album, Fear of the uh, Planet Punk. Like I say, like, I like you just combined two albums together. Yeah, I, like I did. That's, I totally a, that's did. a best of. You just, you'd be a good record I, executive. Yeah, I just, I <laughs> should send your application to Cleopatra. Yeah, yeah. That'll work out. So there was a TV series that you made off of uh, Fear. Oh, yeah. Fear of a Punk Planet. Yes. Okay, yeah. So anyway, that's just a name that, uh, that we thought was cool because there, uh, there was Fear of a Black Planet by yeah. uh, Public Enemy. And um, in the 80s, I mean, there's so many weird tangents we could go off of. In the 80s, Golden Voice concerts, 
you know, we have, I mean, if you can imagine how long we've been a band in Los Angeles, you have a relationship with these concert promotion companies, Golden Voice, we have a great relationship with them. It's, it's so crazy. At one point, rap music is getting big. And what are and they going to do? That's when it's called rap, by the way. Yeah, rap music. And these so kids don't know what rap music whatever is. Whatever they call it now. <laughs> but whatever they, what, back then, um, people, African Americans weren't buying tickets to these shows. They wouldn't. They would. There was a station in LA called K Day, and they would play LL Cool J, Cool Mo D, Dougie Fresh, um, uh, Houdini, Eric B and Rakim. All this stuff was being played in LA on a friggin' AM radio station. It was like the golden age of old school rap. Okay. Um, it sounded like you know, hey, it's let make a lot of money if these bands play these shows, but they would they would put these concerts on. And the the African Americans wouldn't come. They wouldn't buy tickets, so they would throw uh, the Vandals and Fishbone on these shows. Oh, Fishbone! So we did a tour with Grandmaster Flash. Love Fishbone. We did a tour with. I L- said that twice. Well, we did a couple shows with LL Cool J, Public Enemy. I mean, to us, I mean, we're all just living in a fantasy world. Like, oh my gosh! I mean, you know, later on, we're touring with, you know, the Offspring and stuff like that. But at this point, we're like playing uh, shows with uh, Public Enemy. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty rad. Vandals are playing shows with public yeah. enemy. That's pretty rad. Yeah. So we have fun. We're always having fun. I mean, this stuff never ends. It's just like, I mean, you want to play a show with public enemy? All right. Okay. Let's do it. You know, that's that's the thing. That's the thing that I'm learning today from uh, hanging out with you, is that you kind of just let it ride. Like, like your passion was was. Forgive me for saying it, but your passion was really with TV and everything like that, and like this whole thing that actually made you. Um, who no, you are, no in a notorious. Way. Like, notorious, yes. Right. Notorious Whereas, is my is my punk rock music, but yeah. my but my passion is television, which is so crazy to me. Yeah, what are you gonna as, do? But well, from an outsider, like I'm, like I'm transcribing your fucking bass parts as a fucking kid, you know. So like when I hear that, you know, you were more into TV. Obviously, yeah. you would think like, oh, that would crush him. Actually, it makes me love you even more because I'm I'm very much into that as well. But what I learned, in the, and mainly this is like, you know, from you get married and you're like, you have a great partner. My wife is an awesome partner. And she always tries to tell me is like, don't discount your TV. Maybe, I mean, your music. Maybe you like TV. I like TV is a more professional, stable place to work for me. And I like TV more than I like music. But it's not that I don't like music. I happen to like TV a little bit more. So I hang on to my music, and then I, and it's fun. And then in my professional world, when I wake up in the morning, I go, okay, where's my next TV job? Mm-hmm. My music jobs fall out of the sky, and they've always been that way. That's they so just incredible. fall out of the friggin' sky. That's so fucking incredible. So like, great. They and fall out like of the every sky. time you talk about it, you're just like. Yeah, we were just doing something, and then all of a sudden, this came. Yeah. All of a sudden, Josh Fries was here. All of a sudden, Warren was here. All of a sudden, you know, we were... All of a sudden, we were, we're touring up and down with, the East Coast with Agnostic Front. Agnostic Front. That was another fucking band <laughs> I, I wanted to bring up. Oh, my God. Fucking you found that in our, in our weird world history? I did. I did. Yeah. That's kind of a little mini part of our world, is, 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 is touring with Agnostic Front and, and Kraut. And um, back in the old, you know, New York days of, of, of hardcore, which we got a good taste of. Dude, when I heard uh, Agnostic Front for the first time, it was on one of those compilations. 
I didn't follow that far afterward, but there was like two songs on one of the, on a couple different compilations from Nasdaq Front that I was like, "This is incredible." It was like it was like the angriest punk rock I'd ever heard in my life. I'll get, I'll do a little diversion for Agnostic Front. Okay, was, the lineup is Dave Quackenbush and Warren and um, me, Chalmer, Chalmer mm-hmm. Lummery, and we go out to New York. And then we got some representation at that time. We have a Golden Voice has an agency. Jim Garneau is the agent. Now he later he became the manager of No Doubt and Offspring. He's the guy. He's the architect behind the Offspring's rise to power. Okay. Jim Garneau, awesome guy. He books us out there, and we're playing with Agnostic Front. We're opening, you know, in New York. They go, hey, we got a good uh, couple shows for you in the East Coast. You're going to open for a band called Agnostic Front. And I go, we already know Agnostic Front because we were, you know, living in New York on an old East Coast tour with Doug Holland from Kraut. And if anybody wants to just go to Instagram and find Doug Holland from Kraut and from... Uh, <laughs> The wine is taking control. But anyways, Doug Holland is still yeah, playing guitar that's what, riffs. That's what happens here on Drinks with Johnny. Yeah. He's, he's still well. playing guitar riffs on Instagram. He's, he, he, he let the Vandals stay at his house for like a, two weeks in New York. And it's your first time in New York. You remember your first time in New York. Absolutely. Right? Um, can my first there's, time. There's no way you can ever forget the first time you're in New York. My first time, I'm 19 years old. The drinking age is 18. And <sighs> I'm staying there and I'm every day. I got a $10 per diem. I'm waking up and riding a skateboard through New York. I'm getting a pizza for $1.25. I'm getting a quart of beer for $1.75. And that's my morning, which starts at like 11 a.m. And then you get, and then at night you go to Danceteria and you see Madonna. Yours and my uh, experiences of New York are very different. <laughs> 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 where did this start? Oh, where did this start? Oh, television. 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 So, again, your passion for television and writing for television. Um, one of the things that we talked about, I will go all the way back to the beginning of this conversation. Um, one of the things that I was super intrigued about is that you were writing for Ancient Aliens. Yeah. So Right now. That's, and, my, that's, that's my That's your thing right current, now. Current... Um, Employment. So I had no idea about this, and I don't know how much you could divulge, but my wife and I watched it for a while, and I kind of started to die off on it. Well, it's 100 and... I I recently wrote like the 190th episode. Yeah. So, (laughs) basically, I have an argument with my wife. Not Not a serious one, but like, you know, I watched enough of the episodes, I'm going, okay, it's starting to sound like the same thing every episode. Not in a bad way. Mm Mm-hmm. I, th- I still think everyone should watch Ancient Aliens, but as I'm as formulaic. I'm talking, <laughs> what you're saying is formulaic. <laughs> it's formulaic, and I'm watching. And I'm going okay. It's formula. To me, it's a formulaic in a good way. Yeah. Because you're like, you know, it's coming, <laughs> and it's coming, and here's Giorgio is gonna he's gonna he's drive got, it home. He's gonna yeah, and he's a great. And character. David Childress comes a, out and goes, oh. you have to ask yourself. And don't get me wrong, I love conspiracy theory. Yeah. I, I love it. I, you can't I argue wanna, with it. I know. The reason why you can't argue with it because it's getting ratings and it's getting orders and it's like it's a celebration of friggin' just life with, with when Giorgio comes up and says this and then David Childress comes up and says that and and I some just, of them love just it. seems some of them just seem 
so far-fetched, though. Like, some of them... Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of them where I'm looking at them going like, okay, maybe. Yeah, that... I mean... And and you know what? I, I just... Like like we were talking at the beginning, I just did a, a Ron Funches thing, and he's big in, in conspiracy theories. And one of his things was like, you know what? Even if I'm wrong, I'm still glad that I live in a world where I think that that is possible. And that's... That's the right way of thinking, I believe. Oh, we live in a great time where we can, where ancient aliens can propose the the craziest, far fetched things in the world, and we can find a decent amount of backup for it. And uh, you know, to me, it's like if you got to look, you got to step. When you watch an ancient aliens episode now, you 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 know the formula, and you you've heard it before, and you know what's coming. But sit back and just watch it come. Yeah. And just and just say. Here comes Giorgio. Here comes Childress. Here comes... I'm blanking out. But I, I deal with these guys. They're like in my head all the time. They're like puppets in my head. And, um, <laughs> and that's how you're writing, right? Yeah. I mean, when I'm writing one, I'm just like, going, okay, now I'm going to bring in this guy. And now I'm going I'm to I'm save Giorgio for a while. And then I'm going to bring this guy. But when there's a couple guys that I go, I, I rely on these people to say something very solid and lead us into a, a, a place where I can bring in the outrageous stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's such a uh, privilege to be able to you know move these guys around and, and have it come out into an episode and just see one act go to another, go to another, and go to another, and go to another. And it, to listen to the narrator justify it all and say, well, if that, could it be that this happens? Astro- ancient astronaut well, wait, theorists I mean, say yes, and it. as evidence, <laughs> point two. I gotta ask the question. I gotta ask the question. Have they already asked that guy to say that all the way through once, and then they're just putting it cut, in there? Paste, cut, paste. <laughs> it sounds like it's cut. Paste. They could. There's a little bit of that. Like, like I have permission to uh, when I'm putting an episode together. It's just like, hey, look, if you need this guy, there's a couple guys. That, like we already know that are like cool with this, you can cut up their words and make a sentence if you want to make it. Cause, yeah, because they you know them. And so are you do, actually that that brings me to another question: Are you doing a lot of editing? Are you in the editing it's, room? It's a it's a lot like um, I'm not in the editing room, but I'm preparing the editor. It's all really I'm doing. You call it writing. Uh, it's it's almost like I'm preparing the editor to, to create the episode. Um, someone comes up with an with a uh, outline, mm-hmm. like my overlords come out with an outline. Of this is what it's going to be like. It's going to be overlords. Act yeah, Act One, Act Two, Act Three, Act Four, Act Five, Act Six, and then I and then I look, watch all the transcripts. I mean, I watch all the videos, read all the transcripts, look at the outline, and go, okay, Act One. The question is, you know, could this island of Easter Island? Could Easter Island? Where did the people come from that inhabited Easter Island? Where did where did they come from? Where are the possibilities? Whatever. So I I, I come you know I, I look at it. That's already been at, that question's already been asked uh, you know on the piece of paper. But Five you- people have answered that question. So I read them all. I, I look at the transcripts. I read all the. Um, I mean I, I I look at all the video and I see who answered it the best. Okay. And who do we want to save till later? Let's. Let's let this guy answer the question. Then we'll move a little longer. Then what should the narrator say to get to the next? It's a puzzle. It's an editing thing. It's, it's part editing. It's part putting a puzzle together. It's part writing because you have to write the narrator's 
words and you got to put them all together and at the end you have to come up with a one hour program yeah and to me it's just like to me it's a fantasy of putting together a tv program that i've watched my whole life that i've it could be ancient aliens it could be in search of it could be the twilight zone i'm putting together a, a tv show and so i'm in a, in a fantasy world of making a tv show and i'm putting this crap together and i'm putting it into a, giving him a a 60-minute show that allows for the commercials, so it's really 42 minutes. <laughs> I have the commercials in mind. Yeah, I, wanna, I want Damn, to. Leave, I want to leave. I want to give a tease to bring people around after the commercials. You know, I, I will say, I'm. Uh, to me, that's an art. It, it's an absolute art. You're absolutely right. Okay, picture me. I'm a devout Catholic who uh, has my certain beliefs, and I'm putting this stuff together. It's not about, you know, is every single thing true? It's about intelligent, I think, a very intelligent talking heads giving their ideas about what possibly could be true. Yeah. And can we get from A to B with their, you could call them crackpot, crackpot theories. No, can we even, get from A to B with their, with, their, with, with their things? And once you get to know the individual guys and read their individual books, and I think that's what's going on right now is like people are going to the conventions and they're, they're and these guys all have individual books and they all have individual mm-hmm. theories, and it's so it's a it's it's become a cult of these guys. So I'm trying to serve the cult and trying to give each one of those guys their say, but at the same time, and and and, and you would be amazed about how hard it is to put it together an episode of ancient aliens because you're trying to uh you might think anything goes you know in that world but i've got overlords that say whoa dude why would you go here when we haven't even gone there yet let's go here let's set uh, this yeah, up yeah set up a season. let's get this there yeah. and then like dude you're off the rails and i go oh really <laughs> I'm, off the rails. Show, I'm off the rails. I'm, I'm off the rails. Whenever I get that, and okay. I've got, I've got it like three so, times, and I'm so, like, so I'm that like, brings me I'm back off to the rails. Like, are you? Are you? That's a, that's a compliment. Are you an ancient alien uh, theorist? Do you, do you actually? I'm like, a, can you say this? I'm a Catholic. You're a Catholic, so I can tell you what the Catholics believe. You can tell I, you what the Catholics believe. Yeah, and that, that's fine. That's all they believe. That's I'm all in. Believe. I'm, I'm so stupid. In. I'm 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 married to one system of beliefs. So yeah, yeah, Mother Mary. Yeah, my dumb man. You got the that Vatican. Jesus? Let me tell you something about the Vatican. They hold a lot of secrets that we don't know. I, I think everyone knows that they hold a lot of secrets. Is that out? <laughs> <laughs> the secrets aren't. <laughs> it's out. Seriously. No, but I think there's more. There might be a couple blues clues out there. There's more interesting things that if we can just find out what the what the Vatican is hiding. Mm -hmm. To me, that's way more interesting than what who built the pyramids. Oh yeah, yeah. But that's my thing. But I love ancient aliens. I love writing for it. I love the idea, and I I do love the idea of ancient aliens. I really do, and I've watched it for a long time. So I appreciate everything that you wrote in there. Let me, tell you, let me tell you something. One thing about Ancient Aliens. Yeah, yeah. It was it was originally like a two hour special, and then they got a good number. So the History Channel told Prometheus TV, make another one. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not sure we can because I thought we you know we shot our wad in the first one. 
So they made another one. That's definitely all we have. And they, then they said, can you make six one hour? <laughs> Dude, we have that definitely that we have do, definitely man. exhausted everything. So they made the six one hours, and then they said, "How about forty episodes next year?" <laughs> and then it went on like that for fourteen no, no. for fourteen there was, episodes. There was, a, there was a time. There was a time when we honestly, like, even with them, we were watching uh, Ancient Aliens in uh, the dressing rooms. We have like our whole fucking thing, TV set to fucking Xbox or PlayStation, Xbox. And uh, that way we can stream stuff in the dressing room, hauled up there. You know how it is. For several weeks, we were watching nothing but uh, Ancient Aliens. <laughs> That's why, see, I get so much mileage out of writing for Ancient Aliens. That's why I like it. Every time I get an episode, I just like, let's do it. I bury myself funniest in, in a world. Me, the funniest thing to me is like, we watch it and we're like, yeah, this is, this is awesome. Super interesting. And like, obviously it is. And, like, but we watched it for like a while and then problem is you end up with a mother-in-law and a wife and both of them want to argue how true ancient aliens are yeah that's a mistake <laughs> enjoy just, it yeah. just enjoy it i'm like no don't do that just enjoy don't it. do that just, just enjoy it. it it's fun entertainment yeah just enjoy it it's wonderful <laughs> and the guy who the narrator his name is robert clotworthy mm-hmm. he's he's worth looking up on imdb robert clotworthy was my kung fu teacher in Beverly Hills at the Beverly Hills Recreation Apartment in 1992 or 93. This guy's a master of kung fu. Master of kung fu. And he's my teacher. And he was in... in oh, shit. So I, I, I lose touch with him after I get my brown belt. Never got the black belt. But, I, you know, I just, How many degrees do you get in brown? Brown belt. I have something that says I'm the ambassador of Kick Your Ass Order. <laughs> and that's as high as I went. That's, so, a, that's pretty high up. For, yeah. for those of you who don't know about Kung Fu, that's really high up. So Robert Clotworthy, Loose Touch. Fast forward later, I end up as, and we haven't got to this point, I end up as a freaking morning radio DJ on the the coolest station in friggin' America, according to Rolling Stone, and a, a, a legitimate station in L.A. I'm the morning radio guy on Indy 103.1. Yeah. And, and so I'm I'm on the, I'm in the, uh, it's crazy how I got that job, but anyway, I'm, in, I'm uh, every morning I'm interviewing people and I'm doing all this crap. Whoa, morning radio before stuff. you jump forward, how did you get that job? You just jumped right in, right, you, you jumped, you jumped a little bit. Yeah, well... Okay. You kung fu jumped me. I kung fu jumped you. Okay, how did I get this job in the radio? I'm the owner of Kung Fu Records. Mm-hmm. I go to Indie 1031, who's a new competitor to K-Rock. Yeah. They're playing really cool music. I remember. Iggy Pop. I remember all this. This is all just say Iggy Pop. Was, uh, K-Rock is not playing Iggy like, Pop. No, no. Indie 1031 is playing Iggy Pop. So we find out about the station. We go set up a meeting with them as the label owner. And I say, here's some crap we have, including the Vandals, Don't Stop Me Now. Uh, on my way out of the station, they're playing with Don't Stop Me Now. So anyway, we have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. During that meeting, I said, I got an idea. It's going so great. We're talking. We're laughing. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Oh, Joe, you're so funny. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> I told him my idea for a radio show, which was Loveline. You watch Loveline? Or you listen to Loveline? Maybe listen to Loveline. We were on Loveline twice. Uh, at least twice. Yeah, the I, I mean, I, I, I know Love right. Line. That's Love Line. Vandals are on there. You're on there. You guys were on there. 
Yeah, a couple times. You were probably funnier than we were. Much. <laughs> but while I'm on there, Adam Carolla convinces me, like, Joe, when you come on Love Line, you know what? I like you because you talk and you say things and you just, you're not hiding anything, blah, blah, blah. I think remember we talked about like bullfighting, which is not a popular topic we're not going to talk about here. Oh, is it not popular? No. Concealed weapons permits. Oh, we shouldn't talk about that either. This is this is a world that 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 I'm you know involved in, not popular. But <laughs> Adam Carolla would tell me. Goes, we can talk about it too. Well, Adam Carolla would say like, "Dude, you." That's why I like talking to you because you live your friggin' life. Yeah. And he goes, "You call yourself an amateur burf, an amateur bullfighter." What I say is, anyone who gets in the friggin' ring with a bull is a professional bullfighter. True. Sure. If you're in there. Yeah. I'm not saying I've ever been in there. I'm not going to talk about it. You haven't been in there yet? I'm not going to talk about it. But. Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. You haven't been in there yet. But you're not going to talk about it. No, I won't talk about it. You will reach my limit. So anyway, what were we talking about before? <laughs> we were talking about uh, radio. Now. Radio. So now we're talking about. I, I go in the. Okay, here, here's, the long, here's the long story. It's short. I get in the meeting. Great time. I tell them, it's going so great. I go, I want to tell you about an a, a, uh, idea I have for a radio show. Which is so lame. It's like Love Line, but it's show business. It's me. I pay the part of Dr. Drew. I have a, le- I have a law degree. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about showbiz law. I'm Dr. Drew because I have the expertise. Who's my Adam Carolla? Mark McGrath. Solid. Right? Solid. Solid. Joe Scalante, Mark McGrath. It's like Love Line, but it's showbiz. Entertainment yeah. line. We're in Hollywood. Why are we talking about? Why are we talking about medicine and crap yeah. like that? We're we're in Hollywood. Let's talk about and showbiz. Listening wants to Everybody like, wants to make it in showbiz here, and and yeah. we're going to talk about it. You're right. There's only one reason to be here. Right. So the guy, his name is Michael Steele. He goes, genius. Let's do it. And I go, I can't believe I went in there just to talk about a freaking Atari song or a Vandal song. Or I don't know what it was. And now he's saying we should do a radio show. I start panicking, panic attacks, and breathing, you know, heavily. I so call, wait, wait, you, you went, sorry, you went in there for the Atari song. You were talking about when they did. Uh, yeah, whatever. I don't know what it was. Yeah, you do. I don't know. Don't pretend you know. I was you in there. Know. You know, I, you, you that know. was your fucking band on Kung Fu Records. Okay, they made they they did fine, but I'm I'm kidding because I was talking about a Vandal song. I don't want to. Oh, you just wanted. Yeah. <laughs> I was there to talk about which Vandal song. song was that? Don't stop me now. Don't stop me. I thought that was a Queen song. Well, they kind of ripped us off. Uh, they did. Yeah. I, yeah. Like they ripped off Sparks. Ooh. <laughs> right? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, but at that meeting, he goes, and he played the song, whatever. And he got on the playlist. Fine. But he said, let's do this radio show. So I call Mark McGrath and I go, hey, Mark. And I checked with him before this. He goes, want to do it? And I go, yeah, I want to do it. So we're going to do it. We're all set up. We're going to launch. Then he gets his job on uh, whatever Entertainment Tonight or whatever that show he was on. I don't know. Mark McGrath, you should know everything about Mark McGrath. You know, I I created a whole whiteboard for you. Let me help you. Joe, I can't can't do a Mark McGrath board next to it. All the stuff we're talking about is bullshit if you don't have a good-looking guy, you know, as the face of the whole scene. That's Mark McGrath. I thought I was the face of the scene. You're you're just like a junior baby. Mark McGrath is the guy. Before yeah. you, he's kind so, of good looking and big. Yeah. So Mark McGrath is the is the Shit. face of this whole conversation. Yeah. So Mark McGrath 
is the guy who can walk into a, I can walk into a meeting today and say I got Mark McGrath in my back pocket because he's that good. So anyway, I walk in there and I say I got Mark McGrath, and they go, "You can do it." And then the Mark McGrath says, "I can't do it because I got this, you know, Entertainment Tonight thing." And then the station says, "Go ahead, do it by yourself, Joe." I do it by myself. It works. After a couple months, they say the morning show host got fired, Dickie Bear. And then Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols tells me, you should be the new morning guy. And I go, yeah, that'd be great. He goes, go in and tell the program director you want to be the new morning guy. And I go, everybody knows that everybody in this building wants to be the new morning guy. He goes, no. But you go into the office right now and tell Michael Steele <laughs> you tell, want to be. He's being it. my dad. Yeah. And I go, okay. And I didn't want to do it. And he made me. He just said, you go in there right now. And I walked in there and I said, I want to be the new morning guy. And he said, all right, what do you bring to the table? And I told him like three or four things. And he goes, okay, start on Monday. We'll give you a five-day audition. And so I did every Monday through Friday. One of them was with Timothy Oliphant from Deadwood, Justified was one of my guests, and then he, yeah, beca- he became my sports guy. So it's funny you mentioned him. Um, Timothy was actually a brother to the A&R agent that originally signed us. Andy Oliphant. Andy Oliphant, yeah. Yes, I, I partied with him many times at Timothy's house. Yeah, and he's a great dude. Yeah. Still a good friend. Um, Are you guys yeah. still on that label and everything and with Andy Oliphant? We're, and... we're on Warner now. Um, Andy's no longer with that. Uh, with he died with Warner. Um, <laughs> he's with us. He's not with Warner. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I still, I still. Talk yeah, to Andy Elephant and Timothy Elephant. They have another brother too. He's like mad to come to uh, shows. Matt, yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. So yeah, he was my sports guy. David Lynch is my weather guy. Let me David tell you Lynch something. Live a- wow, you yeah. have like all this shit going on. David Lynch is my weather freaking guy every morning. That's. You had a big show. Do you yeah. still have a big show? No, but because these are. You're, but you had a big show. No, it, you know what? The show was my show, and it was what I did. But we, you're talking about you're working for idiots. Michael Steele's gone at some point, and a new guy comes in, and he goes, "Wait, we have David Lynch as a weatherman. We have Timothy Oliphant with sports, and we can't advertise it because the corporate says we can't do." It was nuts. There was I go. Let's do an article in the. Let's do an ad in Daily Variety or the Variety or Hollywood Reporter saying we have David Lynch as our weatherman and we have Tiffany Alfin. No, they say we can't do that because of corporate A, B, and C. And I go, okay, you guys are idiots. And then pretty soon it, it dies. For, yeah. Pretty soon it dies. Anyway, I had a great time. Interviewed a lot of directors, mostly directors, when I was on that radio show because you could not interview a K rock band. Because they would be on K-Rock, and they, and they we were a competitor to them. Mm-hmm. So we would not interview musicians. We would interview actors and comedians. And it was great for me, because I love to talk to actors and directors and comedians. It was great. Yeah, probably not great for the competitor of K-Rock, though, at the time, right? Yeah, it was like, uh, it was a, we had a, we knew our place. Yeah. And I'm in the I morning. do remember 1031. Like, that was K-Rock stickers and 1031 stickers when I was a kid. They were slapped all, all around yeah. here in Huntington. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you're subscribed and leave us a five-star review. If you want to listen to this show ad-free, head over to drinkswithjohnny.com and become a premium member. You'll get to enjoy unreleased clips from your favorite guests, discounts on merchandise in our shop, and access to our private Discord server where you can chat one-on-one with Johnny Christ himself. Awesome! So stay tuned, stay thirsty, and stay filthy as fuck. Fuck.
All right, so in uh, in your writings and everything like that, um, you have apparently created a pilot for a reboot of Hogan's Heroes. That is true. If you go, yeah, if you look at my IMDb page, you're going to see the Hogan's Heroes section of it, and very interesting right now because this is like some something that no one else knows, and I'm like, I know people at Hollywood Reporter and the Variety, and I'm like, ah, I should tell them this. But why should I talk about it? And then you bring it up, so it's kind of fun. Um, I'd, love, I'd love to hear about okay, it. Okay, so uh, a couple, about a year ago, there was a guy named Al Ruddy. He's a legend. Anyone listening to this should be worshipping Al Ruddy. If you've ever watched an episode of television, you should worship Al Ruddy. Because Al Ruddy is the guy who walked into CBS television in 1963, and he pitched them a television series taking place in a German prison camp during World War II. It's a comedy about Hogan, Hogan's heroes. Yeah. It's hilarious. And this is 13 years, 13 years after World War II ended. He's walking into CBS with a friggin' comedy about a German prison camp. It's not a concentration camp, so you can't, you know, it's not, that's not, it's not like, Jerry Lewis making, you know, clown movies about concentration camps. <laughs> it's, um, so anyway, he's only able to sell it, and he has told me this story many times. I've been in the room where he tells it. It's one of the greatest television stories ever told, and you're hearing it right now, Johnny. Yeah. He walks into CBS. He's never made a friggin' show in his life, but he has, like, people in his apartment building in Hollywood that are writing shows, and he asks them, like, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I'm just writing for television. You make a lot of money. And so he figures out something, and somehow he gets this friggin' meeting to sell a show at CBS. The guy in charge of CBS at that point has a sexual harassment issue against him. He's put in time out. You can imagine how bad you can imagine how bad a sexual harassment issue must have been in 1963 to put a guy in time out. Time out. Yeah, president, president of CBS Entertainment. Shit. He's put in time out. Okay. So anyway, so so the, this guy, Bill Paley, who's the legend of all television, not just CBS television, but television in all forms, Bill Paley has to go to Los Angeles to see what's going on. And they tell him, he asks him, what, 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 you know, what would this guy that got you know put in timeout be doing today? Well, we have a pitch meeting. We have a pitch meeting with Mr. Al Reddy, among other people. So Al Reddy comes in, he pitches Hogan's Heroes, the 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 German prison camp comedy and Bill Paley goes that's just disgusting I find uh, characters Nazis and all that's that's very abhorrent I I don't want to buy this show but he thinks about it and so that you know already leaves and he thinks about it and he ends up calling the guy back and he goes maybe there's something there and so they put the show on the air and it goes on eight years and it's a big hit so fast forward to later he becomes a part of Walker Texas Ranger I kind of know him. I'm writing stuff for him, movies. Okay. Just serious movies. He's hiring me to to write movies, and I slip in. Wait, wait, wait! Don't gloss over that. What kind yeah. of what kind of uh, movies are you writing? Westerns. Westerns. Okay. Because now I'm so writing. At this point, I'm writing for uh, like a true crime show on Discovery Channel, and I'm like, I'm 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 milking that. Okay. And I'm going back to people I know already who's a producer of Walker, Texas Ranger. Hey, Al, I'm writing for Discovery Channel scripted television. Mm-hmm. Let's do business. Whatever. 
He asked me to write a movie. I hand him the movie, and I also sneak in my Hogan's Heroes, which is called Hussein's Heroes, <laughs> and it's about four prisoners in a, in Guantanamo Bay, okay. who the Colonel Clink is trying to get rid of because the president says you got to clear out the whole Guantanamo Bay. You got to get rid of everybody, and he goes, "But I can't because they're very dangerous." And he goes, you can figure, figure it out. And he goes, okay, I have these four guys. They're not very dangerous. And he tries to get rid of them. But he can't because every episode they get into enough mischief to end up staying there. Blah, blah, blah. And that gets pitched around Hollywood for many, about a year and a half, that gets pitched out in Hollywood. And then about a couple of weeks ago, some company bought, you know, it, it never went anywhere. You know, everyone's too afraid of Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. It's a little okay. risky. Yeah. It sounds, but, sounds a little bit. A couple of weeks ago, Danny McBride, and a bunch of people sold their version of Hogan's Heroes. And that, you know, and that's fine because, you know, I'm still working with already the Hogan's Heroes guys. And he goes, you have, and that's the deal with television. You have to have someone attached. You have to have a big, big, big guy attached to anything. Yeah. So anyway, well, we, we, I went to a lot of meetings with my dumb Hogan's Heroes thing and, and had a great time. And then, then Danny McBride came in and they sold it overnight. Fucking Danny McBride. Genius. Love it. But what happened today while we're having this uh, podcast, Danny McBride's series, The Righteous Gemstones, on HBO got picked up for a second mm-hmm. season, which he didn't think was going to happen. So now he cannot be in the new Hogan's Heroes. Ah. So they're looking for someone else. So anyways, that I have that that one's like sort of interesting, but I have very I have ten others that are not interesting, and, and those are all over. That's what that's what it's like being a writer in Hollywood. You have ten of these. They're all over the place. Well, that's super intriguing to me because I come from uh, getting lucky uh, and being in a band. I have a strong affinity to TV and movie and everything like that. Um, but I don't really know what I would ever do with it. I just, I definitely like really well, the, enjoy it. Like, well, the 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 answer to all that is you need Danny McBride. <laughs> Danny McBride. You need Danny McBride. Joe, so for me, I've had enough of you. You're yeah. out of here. Danny, can he, can he come in? For me, for me, in that whole episode, it was like, I go, you know, we're for, uh, already for so long. And I'm just like, okay, all right. Well, we have Hogan's Heroes is now sold because Danny McBride came in. Fine. I will end up on the, on the staff, which is great for me. Yeah. Fine. I don't need to be the creator of the Duantanamo Bay version. Their version was a little more... Uh, milk toast. Fine, still television. But that's my warning for people in television. You better have someone attached like Danny McBride or no one's going to listen, read, anything. No one cares. Well, that's why I have you. I'm attached to you now. Well, look at me. I had a script that the original creator of Hogan's Heroes was in love with. And he went around trying to sell it. But it, but the only person attached to it was Joe Escalante, who is not an approved showrunner. So you needed a Danny McBride. Danny McBride came along, and he came along with some other version of the script, not mine. Mm-hmm. And it was sold immediately, because he's Danny McBride. Hmm. Which is fine. That's how it works. That's the hmm. world of TV. It's interesting. If you, have interesting. A, if you have an idea for television, for a television show, and I get these all the time, if you have an idea for a television, it's not worth anything. But if you can attach Danny McBride to it, it's worth something. So I have a question. Is that truly the way, or is that like, is that a little bit of a spitefulness? It's a good question. 
Great is question. There, is there Great a way question. to get beyond that? Yeah, like, yeah. There really is nothing. You have to have something, somebody, someone. I mean, wait, wait, wait. so obviously. I had a neighbor of mine who's a member of the State Department. He, he told me, he goes, yeah, I have a good idea about a show about the CIA because we're out in the State Department. We're in all these places and the CIA is a joke and it's totally funny. And we have a person that used to write for South Park and we want to pitch it to her. Hmm. And I told I told him, that girl, and I looked her up right on my phone and I go, that girl's legitimate. You have to get her to become the, the writer of that show. It can't be you. You're a consultant. You're in the, the State Department and you know something. She has to be the, the writer and the creator of that mm-hmm. show or she would have no interest in it. And if you don't have an approved showrunner attached to that show, you don't have a show. Approved showrunner. They're very rare. And they're the ones that can pitch shows. You have an idea for a TV show, you cannot pitch it. Mm-hmm. Forget about it if you have an idea for a TV show. Forget about it. Take your head. Yeah. Go down to Bolsa Chica, buried in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> so? What's next with the fucking vandals? What are you guys doing right now? Well, what's next with the vandals? I got a, I got an answer for you. We are going to play at, um, it's like November 20-something, at the Wonderfront Festival in San Diego, which is... A big festival that's like Ben Harper and it's like a big like Coachella t- kind of thing. But the Vandals are playing on the Tony Hawk stage. Okay. And Tony Hawk has been a very, very, very good friend of the Vandals. Put us in his uh, first video and uh, is a yeah. song called Eurobarge that he likes. And it was just about Europe and how maybe I can relate to you, Johnny. Okay. On, on Eurobarge. We wrote this song about just the concept of it. It's like when you go to Europe. Are they just like, you You could wait in line for something and they'll come in front of you. They don't care. Yeah. They have no concept. I know about the Eurobarge. Yeah, the Eurobarge. So that's the Eurobarge. It's the Eurobarge. This is talking about Eurobarge. So Tony Huck loves, just love it. Put it in his video game. Now we're playing at his uh, stage in San Diego with Suicidal Tendencies and X and uh, Offspring and... The Sex Pistols and the Buzzcocks. And this sounds like... like I'm, the- I'm just making up bands now. Yeah, I'm just adding bands, right? And angry Samoans. Even even oh, Samoans? No way! Samoans. Oh my god! And Devo and uh, oh wow! Oh the Slits. Yeah, everybody's playing this thing, dude. I just really hope half of what he's saying is true, and about a half of what I'm saying is true. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so. Lastly, do you like Halloween? Well, let me tell you something about Halloween, Johnny, because I have strong feelings about it. Halloween was awesome. The Vandals have a Halloween song coming out. Okay. One of the first coming out. One of the first, yeah, one of the first original recordings we've had in the last seventy years. Holy shit! Yeah, seventy years. Yeah, it's coming out on Cleopatra Records. You're not even seventy years old. Cleopatra. I, I, I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> Cleopatra bought Kung Fu. We didn't even talk about that. Greatest thing if, that ever happened you, to me in my life. If you held on to it, could you no, have no, 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 that no. gold? Greatest thing ever happened to me in my life. So okay. anyway, we have a Halloween song coming out. The Vandals have a new material. We, we don't have new material very often, but we have some now. Yeah. I'm going to tell you about Johnny. I don't know if you can handle this, though. We're going to get deep again. 
Okay, let's okay. get let's get let's get let's get deep. So Cleopatra calls me and says, "Hey Joe, can the Vandals do a song for a Halloween compilation?" I'm gonna blow your mind, Johnny. I say, "No, there's no way, because we're all bitter old people, and we're not gonna do it. No one's gonna do it. We're gonna, we, we can do. We're gonna write a new song about it's a, a solid tease. It's a solid tease. We're gonna tease. like a, like a, a ghost." So I say no, and then I hang up the phone, and then I think about like, Joe, what about your great uncle? Great uncle. They wrote that great. Super cool song about Halloween that your grandma used to sing to you when you would go to bed. And how'd that go? She would always go, Jack-o'-lantern, pumpkin head, scaring people out of bed. Blah, 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 Yeah, but that's just a song my grandma would sing. And her brother was a big, like a radio star and like a TV star. Her brother was a radio star? He was also an uncle. Wait, you just said he was great uncle. My grandma's my grandma's uncle. Grandma's uncle. Yeah, his name is Baron Keys. You can look him. You can you can Google him. Baron Keys. Baron K E Y E S. And he was my uncle Al. Uncle Al. Uncle Al, the kitty's pal. (laughs) That's true. That's real. (laughs) That's that's for real. That's for real. Um, so, but, but, let me tell you something. Uncle Al, the kitty's pal, had a couple of jams that were, were were pretty good. Did you ever watch The Brady Bunch? Yeah, I did. Of course. Okay. The Brady Bunch had a, had a three-part episode on Hawaii. Don Ho comes up to Bobby Brady and says, let's play a song on a friggin' ukulele. I don't know what that is. Ukulele, this thing. <laughs> That's not a ukulele. That's a fucking seizure hand. It's like, like Warren trying to eat a taco. It's like, That's ah, terrible. Ah, ah. Seizure I hand is good. I thought you were good. a fucking musician. Yeah. Seizure hand is good. Okay, so anyways, Don Ho comes up and says, hey, I just had a seizure. <laughs> Here's a song. And he plays a song, and it's called Sweet Someone. That's my friggin' uncle's song. So anyways, fast forward, I get all the royalties from that. So my uncle... So when Cleopatra says, "Can you play this? Can you can you have a song for the Halloween thing?" I go, and I, but it was only my grandma singing it to me. Where am I going to find the recording of this? This is the best part of your podcast. What the, wait, the wait! Everything that, that has been before this and this podcast has been mediocre. We're now <laughs> we're now to the good stuff. This is all okay. 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 Think I'm about in. this. I'm Think in. about this. Think about this. I went on the internet and I, and I did a search and I said. Baron Keys, my uncle, Halloween song. It came up with zero. I'm like, okay, Baron Keys, blah, blah, blah. And I found a site that, that, that archived all of my uncle's radio shows. Some nerds beyond nerdland. I have, have, have cataloged every one of my uncle's radio shows. But they're all numbered. They don't have a name or anything. There's only one episode that was labeled anything. And there was one episode labeled Halloween. And I played it, and it had that friggin' song in it that my grandma used to sing for me. And then and then it was right. there. It's never been published. It was just played on a radio show once. And then I captured it, sent it to everybody, and I go, do you want to do this? Did it? There it is. That's the only original, you know, Vandal song to be released in the last, like, 13 years. Incredible. Yeah. And there you have it, folks. I had a lot of fun with Joe. By the sound of it, maybe a little too much. 
But if you missed any of these episodes, hit the subscribe button and find all your Drinks With Johnny podcasts or head over to drinkswithjohnny.com. Click on the cast and go through the archives. And coming up next on Drinks With Johnny, we have John Delmayan of System of a Down stop by. We got into some scotch and played a fun little game. So don't miss that one. And as always, till next time, cheers. What's up, everyone? This is Jay Reason, and I want to let you all know that Diablo Zen Podcast is now part of the Sound Talent Media family. Listen in as me and the one and only Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezak, interview artists from the hardcore punk, metal, hip-hop scenes, and beyond. We have conversations with guests like actor Peter Green, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill, L.A. street photographer Estevan Oriol, Jimmy G from New York City's legendary Murphy's Law, and pro wrestler Vampiro, to name a few. If you're a fan of good discussions and lots of laughs, tune in and join the fun. Bowie, Dylan, Marley, you've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.